Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined as I am twice weekly in the fall by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, a longtime colleague and friend as well. The Talking Tide Twitter feed is at Talking underscore Tide. Links to all our podcasts there. You can get our podcast at our web host at megaphone.com, also available to you at Apple Podcasts and just about any podcasting app you happen to like. Catch us on YouTube or Facebook, live or recorded as well. A quick thank you to our sponsors, North River Dental Associates, Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, and DraftKings. And with that, Travis, we uh, jump into Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners and viewers and to you too, Travis. First of all, a very special holiday coming up this week. It's part of Iron Bowl week on an annual basis. Uh, And unfortunately, as we give thanks this week, Travis, for the holiday, we also, uh, it's it's kind of a melancholy feeling for people who uh, live in Tuscaloosa, follow Alabama football, the media. Uh, what have you, with the passing of longtime Tuscaloosa News sports editor Cecil Hurt, somebody who you and I both knew fairly well, and a guy who really was an icon in the profession and somebody who's going to be dearly missed. There's no doubt about it. You know, I was thinking about ways to try to properly sum up this loss because it's so tremendous for a lot of us in a multitude of ways but it sort of took me to Vulcan in Birmingham. You know how Vulcan's up there on top of Red Mountain? Right. Overseeing all of Birmingham? That was sort of Cecil when it came to not only University of Alabama athletics, but in terms of the University of Alabama in general. It just felt like he was that presence, uh, sort of presiding. More so, look, we all know Nick Saban is the man the GOAT when it comes to football coaches. But the guy that's been there year in, year out, era in, era out, uh, has been Cecil Hurt. So it's just impossible to sort of try to spend just a few moments encapsulating what he meant to Alabama, what he meant to so many people as a friend and a mentor. Uh, Irreplaceable. That's the word I think you go back to as much as anything else, too. No doubt. Uh, he was a special guy, a guy who was extremely well-read. He had a, a quick wit about him. I know he loved music, and you and he developed a, <laughs> a, a public relationship via uh, Southern Fried Sports Radio, talking music on a fairly regular basis. That was always a call I certainly enjoyed listen to, listening to uh, when you were doing late local radio in Tuscaloosa. I worked with him uh, for four years at the Tuscaloosa News from – 2009 to 2013 and you know the guy had a presence in the building the same as he did around town and and in the and in the state for that matter and it transcended Uh, sports it did yeah Yeah, no no question about it he and you know imagine you know his first year covering alabama was the tail end of paul w bear bryant's coaching career at ua that's how far back he goes that's how far the span uh goes and and so you know there was really nobody who could speak to the 
eras of Alabama football as far back as he, without having to go to a history book or without having to go to some kind of record book for the last, for, for 40 years, he didn't need a record book because he was there. He was the Bryant Museum before yeah. the Bryant Museum. And so absolutely. Uh, again, I just, I, you, you said it, you talk about the gener- the the eras and the things that he was around for and uh, the comments that have been made from folks both in sports, out of sports, uh, have sort- certainly acknowledged the passing of Cecil Hurd. I know there's an online petition right now to have the press box at Bryant-Denny Stadium named in Cecil's honor. I think that was a slam dunk. I think it's a very nice gesture on behalf of the fans, but I've always considered that to be a foregone conclusion if it ever came down to it, when it came down to it, that Cecil's name at least will go on the press box there at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Absolutely. It uh, belongs 10 times, no question about it. Uh, Thoughts, prayers, and well wishes certainly to Cecil's family and all who knew and loved him. With that, we will move on, Travis, take a look at this upcoming Iron Bowl matchup. Uh, The Crimson Tide comes into this road game to close out the regular season with a 10-1 record, 6-1 in the SEC uh, the SEC West crown is is now clinched. That matchup with Georgia is set. Auburn comes in six and five on the year, three and four in SEC play, looking to even up that SEC record under Brian Harson. And of course, it'll be a two thirty p.m. Central Time kickoff on CBS. What have you made of, of Brian Harson in his first year coaching this team, Travis? Six and five, definitely not the record that, that Auburn fans were hoping for. I don't think there's any question about that, particularly with an experienced quarterback coming back in Bo Nix, who, of course, won't even be uh, on the field in this particular Iron Bowl. Uh, but, look, first-year coach, right? Got to give him time to get his own recruits in, recruit to his system, et cetera. Uh, it, not the kind of year that, that I'm sure people wanted, but nevertheless, uh, when there's, when you have a, a first year coach, some patience is required. It is. And it sort of resembles, I think we've talked about this on a recent episode of talking tide that mirrors in some ways, Nick Saban's first year at Alabama, six and two coming out of what was it? October back-to-back wins over Arkansas and Ole Miss, a couple of ranked teams. Things are looking great. And then now it's an O for November to this point for Brian Harson and the Auburn Tigers. So kind of two seasons within one. Obviously, you would like to finish on a strong note. You can beat Alabama on Saturday. That cures a lot of what ails a fan base in terms of rumbles and things like that. Where it's different, I think, as much as anything, though, Chase, is when you consider in the aftermath of this, what will recruiting look like for Auburn in comparison to what it looked like for Nick Saban after his first year? Went, what, six and seven and six in that first year yeah. in 2007? But yep. then right on the heels of that, brought in a program-changing recruiting class with Julio Jones and Mark Barron and Mark Ingram and all those guys. I don't know if Brian's got that sort of ammo that he's line, lining up for the the next couple of years yeah seven and six was that 2007 mark six and six going into an independence bowl win over colorado you and i were on hand in uh <laughs> christmas night in shreveport <laughs> for yeah. that one yeah 
I, I, I still might have that some of that Petco Independence yeah. Bowl. There's some stories. There there's some yeah. there's some stories from that trip that you know we may have to do a director's cut talking tight. <laughs> director's no, cut. No question about it. Not sure we'll go live with that one. <laughs> might have to be pre-recorded and carefully edited yeah. uh, if we ever yeah. uh, come with that. But at any rate, uh, yeah, you're right. And, and and you you mentioned Julio Jones and Mark Barron. Two guys from that Mobile area, Jones, of course, from Foley, but down that way, it's an area where Auburn dominated in recruiting for a long time. Nick yep. Saban went down there, got those two, got B.J. Scott from that area out of Liger. That He was a five-star guy who didn't really work out at Alabama, but nevertheless, a major, major recruit as well. And really, completely, if you'll pardon the pun, he turned the tide for recruiting for for Alabama down in that area, and then from there, it just it just blew up. It did, and you know we say all that, but Auburn's won four of these games against Alabama, really five when you consider the 2010 game in Tuscaloosa as well. So, in terms of series histories in the Nick Saban era, you can look at Auburn as being as successful, I guess, maybe more successful than anybody that has seen Alabama on an annual basis. It hasn't been enough for these head coaches to remain in place. Um, but Tommy Tuberville, a W over Nick Saban. Uh, Gene Chizik, a W over Nick Saban. And then, of course, Gus Malzahn with three wins uh, over Nick Saban. So, you know, just about everyone they brought in there in the Saban era has gotten at least one win in this series. No victory can be taken for granted in the Iron Bowl, especially when you're talking about playing at Jordan-Hare for Alabama, where they've gone down there and and certainly had their problems. Won a close one or two down there. I, I can recall uh, a Greg McElroy team going down to Jordan-Hare and pulling out pulling one out yeah. by the skin of their teeth on uh, that little play-action throw to Roy Upchurch on the goal line. Yeah, uh, we were so, on the other. We were on, you and I were on the other sideline from that. That's part, right. right. No question. Yeah. So. Uh, going to be a fun one for sure. The Auburn offense, TJ Finley taking the snaps for the Tigers at the quarterback spot. Tank Bigsby, uh, a running back who's on the brink of breaking a thousand yards for the season. If I'm not mistaken, he's pretty central to things. I think for, I've been saying that about Auburn all year. If been leaning on all season, Travis. There's not a 500-yard receiver on the team uh, for the Tigers. They do have several guys, though, that are over 400 yards on the year, so they really spread it around. Demetrius Robertson, uh, the transfer from Georgia, who uh, transferred from Cal before that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, He's got, I think, four touchdown catches for Auburn, uh, 30-some catches, and uh, Shedrick Jackson, uh, Kobe Hudson, these guys have all kind of had the same year statistically and production wise. Yeah. What you worry about for Auburn in this game, couple of things offensively. You're right. Tank Bigsby is key to everything at 164 yards. Somehow he had 164 yards against South Carolina last week and Auburn lost. Yeah. I mean, run the numbers on the potential for that, right. in that sort of game against that kind of opponent. Um, Javarius Johnson has given some life to the receiving core at times as well. Here's where Alabama has been suspect, as we know. 
explosive plays on the back end, right? When I look at this Auburn offense and these Auburn receivers, I don't see as much of that. Now, look, Mike Bobo does some good things with his backs and his tight ends in the passing game. So maybe in those areas, they're able to generate some of those opportunities uh, as far as explosive plays. But just in terms of a Traylon Burks or, you know, a guy like that, um, that's not this Auburn team with Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz moving on after last year. Auburn's offense on the year, 46th in the FBS, averaging 428 yards per game. A defensively for Auburn, we'll flip to that side on them quickly, Travis. Really, to me, the secondary is where it starts with this defense. A lot of experience back there, a lot of talent. Roger McCreary, one of the best defensive backs in the league. Smoke Monday back there. It seems to me like Smoke Monday is one of those guys who's been playing college football for about seven years. Uh, he's, he's been around, played a lot of football. And up front, uh, Derek Hall is uh, kind of the, the the playmaker in terms of TFLs and sacks up front off, off the edge for Auburn. Pretty good numbers in terms of negative plays where tackles for loss are concerned for this Auburn defense but not a defense that's very prolific in terms of sacks. Not that that's a qualifier against this Alabama offense because we saw Bryce Young go down four times last week against an Arkansas defense that's not known for sacking the quarterback. So the back end, as you mentioned, McCreary, you know all about Roger McCreary uh, as a potential first-round pick, an expected first-round pick, I guess, at this point. Smoke Monday is a guy at the safety position. He'll – He'll jump some things. He likes to jump those dig routes. He had a pick six against Alabama the last time the Crimson Tide went down there. So, of course, last year, Devontae Smith hits him with a double move pretty early in the game in Tuscaloosa. The smoke goes play. both ways. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's here for the smoke, but sometimes the smoke yeah. is there for him. Sometimes but, you get smoked. <laughs> but that other corner spot in the slot corner position for Auburn, I think will be interesting to watch with Jalen Simpson at the other corner and Ladarius Tennyson working inside and how Alabama is able to maybe get Mechie and Jamison Williams matched up on those guys. Auburn's defense ranked 57th in the FBS, giving up 368 yards per game. Looked up the turnover differential for the, you know, it's a middling offense. It's a middling defense. Team's got a middling record. The turnover differential is zero, Travis. They're nine giveaways, nine takeaways, right, right down the middle uh, for Auburn uh, this season. So there, there you have it. I mean, I mean, if you look at if you look at a lot of the statistical numbers, not individually, but for the team and how they rate in the league and in the FBS, it it, it smells like a six and five record. That's that's what they are. Yeah, they do a pretty good job of taking care of the football. Before Bo Nix went down, one of the biggest improvements in his game this year was ball security, not throwing interceptions. T.J. Finley, when he's had an opportunity, and he'll have another one in a start against Alabama on Saturday, has been pretty good in that regard. Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter, Sean Shivers in the backfield, pretty good. Um, But when it comes to taking the ball away, eh, so-so. Not a very prolific defense in that regard. You have to always be aware, again, of McCreary and also Smoke Monday. But, um, yeah, it is. What do they say? You are what your record says you are. And the stats seem to sort of support that. Uh, For the Crimson Tide, Travis, we'll look at Alabama coming into this game. 
DJ Dale, I guess, a little bit dinged up. Nick Saban mentioned that on his uh, radio show here uh, on Wednesday evening. Uh, overall, though, I, I think the, you, you got to say, and look, the running back position aside, um, you, you know, I'm just talking about guys that are dinged, not guys that are out for the year. From a ding standpoint, I think Alabama comes into, into this one pretty, pretty in good shape. Pretty good shape. Yeah. I mean, you know, they've done some things on the offensive line that were initially health related with Darian Dahlcourt missing a game and then Chris Owens going inside and that paved the way for Damian George to get some extensive work at right tackle where it looks like he'll make another start on Saturday. But yeah, other than Dale on the defensive side in pretty good shape, although you've got some question marks in that secondary still that I know we'll both be interested in in relation to Josh Job, who gets the nod at star. Still some things to sort out with this team. Not all of them injury-related. Spread in this one, Travis. Alabama favored by three touchdowns, 21 points. You're over under 53 and a half. And I guess I don't want to sound like a broken record because lately I think I've been saying week after week that these spreads are a little too fat for my taste. Uh, but once again, I, I think 21 is too much. If I was a bet man, I think I'd take those points instead of give them. Yeah, if I had to make a call on that, I would probably take Auburn in the points. But my prediction by the end of the week might end up being Alabama laying the points. I'm really <laughs> torn over that sort of aspect of this thing. I like the over a lot. Yeah, um, I, I do too. I, if you're going to say 53, 53 and a half, I'm not telling anybody what to do, okay? That's not what I'm doing here. But if it were me, just for grins, I would be pretty uh, pretty attracted to the over there. If you look at what Alabama's done offensively this season, I mean, they, with the exception of the LSU game, they pretty much rolled through everybody offensively. They're averaging, I think, 501 yards a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so – there's no reason not to expect Alabama to do its thing on offense and score, uh, you know, high thirties, forties at, at the least. That doesn't leave that, that doesn't leave much work for Auburn's offense to get over fifty three, does it? No, it doesn't. And you're right. I think when you look at Alabama, you're talking about an offense on the cusp going into Saturday's game of a four thousand yard passer, forty touchdown passer in Bryce Young. You could possibly come out of that game Saturday with two 1,000-yard receivers. You already have one in Jamison Williams. You could have a 1,000-yard rusher by the end of the game Saturday in Brian Robinson. So, And again, an offense that for a fourth straight year might average 45 or more points per game. So even with all the changes, and not just in terms of players and personnel, but coaching staff as well, it's been pretty amazing to watch this offense continue to sort of sustain what it's done in recent years. Tickets, 175 bucks on that secondary market, Travis, for the cheap ones. And if you want to sit uh, in that lower bowl at Jordan-Hare, you're looking at 400 500 That's what the uh, yeah. online prices are looking at about right now. Fairly inexpensive for an Iron Bowl, and, and I guess when either team comes in with a 6-5 and five record, that tends to hold the – that tends to hold the numbers down in terms of what the, the ticket man can can get from folks. Yeah, I think by game time or just in the lead up to game time Saturday, you should be bucks. able to get in for under 100, maybe well under 
$100. And you think about what face value is now, even for upper level and end zone and those type of seats, that's probably a good bit under face value for, again, this game, right. uh, rivalry games. I mean, you're in excess easily now of $100 a ticket uh, for premium games, as they call them. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to go down to the Plains and check it out, I think you can, I think you'll be able to get in for a really reasonable number. Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors really quickly here. We're going to start out telling you all about North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley, that great team of professional dental hygienists over there at 1100 Fairfax Park, right off of Watermelon Road. There you see uh, the map if you are a YouTube viewer of the Talking Tide podcast. All your dental needs, they'll get them taken care of. If you got p- kids, they'll get you in there. They'll take care of that. Uh, the teeth whitening service, services, they've got the porcelain veneers, endodontics, the laser dentistry. They do it all at Dr. Jags. He does a fantastic job. Have you in and out of there in less than an hour on a routine cleaning. Really good as well uh, dealing with those insurance folks. Sometimes that can be a snag in the healthcare industry. Never been a snag for me, certainly, uh, over at North River Dental Associates. Also doing Botox and Juvederm treatments to tighten up those facial features, if that's your thing. Give them a call. The phone number 205-752-3506 or visit NorthRiverDentist.com. It's North River Dental Associates. Going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier, also there in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Peterbrook Chocolatier in its 15th year of business, just like Nick Saban, 15 and 15. When you talk about the Saban era at UA, the Peterbrook era in Tuscaloosa continues to roll on. They do have time for you with those Christmas orders, 205-752-0211. Remember, Peter Brook ships globally. I've seen stuff go out of that place to France, Europe, you name it. They can take care of your shipping needs as well at 205-752-0211. Christmas party season is pretty much here at this point, and you'll be the hit of any party if you show up with that Peter Brook chocolatier. Finally, going to tell you about our corporate sponsor, and that would be DraftKings, the official sports betting partner of the National Football League. This Thanksgiving, be thankful for food, family, and free bets. Hey, DraftKings Sportsbook has a turkey day no-brainer that you cannot miss. New customers bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if that team scores a single point, there's going to be a triple header in the NFL on Thanksgiving Day, as a matter of fact. Back to back to back ball games for you uh, in the Pro League on Thursday. So download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Make sure you use the promo code TPPN. Bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game, win $100 in free bets if either team scores a po- point. That is promo code TPPN this Thanksgiving at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Travis, we look around the SEC uh, to close things out, as we always do here on Talking Tide. And we have to start with uh, the Egg Bowl, Travis. One of my favorite. It's become one of my favorite 
Thanksgiving traditions, really. I love that game. Sometimes the t- sometimes there's not a ton of talent. Sometimes there's no – usually there's no stakes. Sometimes the teams are lousy, and yet one way or another, the Egg Bowl just has this knack for being highly entertaining, Travis, one way or another. DK Metcalf comes to mind. <laughs> well, what about Elijah Brown urinating – Faux urinating in the end zone in Starkville the last time these two teams met uh, at Wallace Wade Stadium. So, yeah, Davis Wade Stadium. Excuse me. I'll get I'll get some messages about that for getting that wrong. Um, no, and this year it, it there's there's some meaning to the game. It's second place in the West on the line here. And when these two programs made these two hires with Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin, this is the sort of prestige they had mine now obviously both teams would like to extend that into appearances in Atlanta for the SEC championship game but given the time that these two coaches have been on the job it's pretty damn good for a Thursday night when we're all going to be pretty stir crazy I think and ready for some college football a lot of footballs in the air that one for sure you you might you might see a hundred passes in this in this football game. It, it's it's going to be entertaining for sure. Matt Corral, one of the best in the country, and of course, Will Rogers has had uh, a heck of a year for Mississippi State. So, uh, fun one for sure in uh, the Egg Bowl, the battle for uh, in the Magnolia State. Look forward to it every year. Mm-hmm. Texas A and M at LSU, Missouri at Arkansas. Either of these games grab you, Travis. What you thinking there? Yeah, you know, gosh, if LSU somehow beats Texas A and M, Chase, the SEC, and if Florida beats Florida State, if those two things happen, you will have thirteen bowl eligible SEC teams out of fourteen. Mm. It's a pretty big number, that even by SEC number. standards, but. I guess some interest with the LSU A&M game and that it's oh swan song there. Um, But I'll probably be more intrigued even by Missouri, Arkansas, because I think in terms of competitiveness, that's the game I anticipate being more of that than the two. You never know with LSU though. And you really never know with A&M. I mean, the last time we saw A&M right on the road was a couple Saturdays ago and they scored 19 points against Ole Miss. So I don't think you can take anything for granted in that game either. I don't either. I I, I think I like A&M in this game, and I've been burned by A&M a couple times this season, but I'm going to take them here again anyway. I just think LSU's – I see them as a team that's just out of gas yeah. at this point in the season. Um, tons of injuries they've had. Um, you know, obviously, Ed O was let go. You've got guys hitting the transfer portal. Eli Ricks, I think, announced that he's uh, moving into the transfer portal portal now. So uh, just there's no momentum in that program at all. And, yeah, maybe they do rise up because it's O's last game and kind of win one for the big O uh, (laughs) instead of the big Gipper, I guess. But give me A&M in that one. And uh, Missouri at Arkansas, give me the Hogs at home, I guess, before we get out of here. Yeah, I'm with A&M, and I'm with the Hogs as well. And – uh, again, a three and one finish in the month of November for Arkansas, and you sort of relate that to where Auburn's at in the month. It's a couple of programs, even though Auburn won that game in Fayetteville in October, kind of gone different ways here down the stretch. Yeah. 
Going to do it for us here on the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Be sure to join us this weekend when Travis and I recap the Iron Bowl. Looking forward to doing that. So for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We will talk to you again when we reconvene on Talking Tide this weekend. We will see you then.